This is HRT, a podcast featuring interviews with HR leaders, researchers, students, and influencers. HRT takes trending topics and research in human resources, steeps them for 30 minutes or less, and leaves you with fresh, brewed ideas on how to drive high-performing, inclusive organizations and create meaningful work experiences. HRT is brought to you by Villanova HRD, the graduate programs in human resource development at Villanova University. Hello, everyone. Welcome to HRT. I am Bethany Adams, one of your two hosts this season. Going to be joined by Helen Nelson as my co-host. And I love HRT, but truth be told, I am still a coffee drinker. Okay, today's episode is the first of season three, and since we are introducing a new co-host, Helen Nelson, I thought that we should use this episode to get to know Helen just a bit better. Remember, this season is all about diversity, equity, and inclusion topics. So to start, you'll hear a bit of Helen's HR background, and then we will dive into some of the topics that we are going to share with you this season and why they matter and why we are so passionate about them. I'm not going to waste any time with a long introduction, so let's jump right in and hear about Helen's HR journey. My journey into HR really started with employment litigation. I graduated law school, did a bit of a clerkship, and then once I started my practice years, really nicely settled into employment litigation on the plaintiff and defense side. So I always like to say that I saw employers and employees judged for their worst decisions or at their worst moments. And at times I didn't feel like I had a a personality that could really sustain kind of an adversarial posture. Day in and day out, it's a bit draining, uh, as you can imagine, and litigation is quite cumbersome. So I really gravitated towards those moments where we could work with clients, have their full attention, not be under the, the gun, so to speak, because something was at risk, but could really work with all the information they had, their desire to be better and get better, and then work on like trainings and really upskilling their um, staff to be prepared when things did potentially go awry or there needed to be certain interventions and give them kind of tools and levers to find themselves out of certain scenarios or prepare best for them. And So anyway, at some point I transitioned, spoiler alert, transitioned out of the active practice of law and found my way, quote unquote, like in-house, where I really felt like I can affect change and be a part of kind of uh, policy making and and guidance drafting for what was then my employer was the um, DC Public Charter School Board at the time. And I still uh, think fondly of them, like that was like my dream job honestly, because everything culminated at that job based on like my prior experiences. And it was full shop. It was certainly a smaller, much smaller HR department. So I wore many hats. It was full scale HR, comp, bin, you name it. I did it performance management. Then my husband's employer, former employer moved us to Austin. It allowed me to reimagine my career in a new industry in tech. And then that started the the Google journey. Nice. Um, well, you you sort of stopped your career journey at Google, but tell us about what you've been doing at Google. 
Yeah. So as you can imagine with a global conglomerate, there are many things that you can do. And I think I've tested our internal mobility <laughs> tolerance and strategy, you know, under, I will say good, good advice, uh, actually at a SHRM convention in New Orleans, maybe three years ago, I had the, the good fortune of meeting Laszlo Bach. Uh, he was our outgoing VP. I know moment of silence. Love him. Like he is, he's just phenomenal. And just the way he thinks about HR is phenomenal. Love him. Yeah, no, totally. Work rules uh, was certainly a selling point for me and really cemented my intrigue for like HR turned upside down only as, you know, Google can do with most things and kind of their innovative space. And so he actually left Google, I think two or three months after I was hired on. <laughs> and so this was the same year that he keynoted for Sherm in, in New Orleans. And I just totally fanned out, slightly stalked him, <laughs> brought my book to be autographed, was like, you know, Googled out. Like, I'm not even kidding. I was like in color blocked, like our primary colors, like my outfit was color blocked. It's, it's a whole thing. I almost wore my Noobler hat. My, um, my team back in Austin knew I was preparing all of this and they were like, we're with you. You're going to meet him. I'm sure they're like crazy person. Anyway, well I did. And he was really gracious after he signed a lot of copies of work rules for attendees and, you know, said uh, to his handlers who were ushering him off to the next thing, like, Hey, I want to talk to my, you know, former teammate. And I was like, me what uh, and he gave me sage advice and that was just to land the plane that was uh, change you know change your role often have have a, a pretty healthy appetite for change in general at Google as you can imagine yeah I will tell you I love that advice from Laszlo change often and I love that it came from him as you were going into Google and he was leaving Google like right it's kind of apropos and it's, and that's actually, that's the Sherm conference where we met. Um, oh my God. Yes. 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 <laughs> so that's so funny. And I, you don't know this about me, but Laszlo is like somebody that I put on a pedestal when it comes to just, just how he thinks about HR and people strategy. And so that year I was totally geeking out too, to hear him talk. And I had literally talked about it in my classes. I had talked about it to people like, I'm going to maybe meet Laszlo. I didn't yeah. get to meet him at that conference, but I did meet <laughs> him a year later. So that's so funny and very cool. Okay. So I, question I always like to ask people because I feel like it can really dive into just things that are on your mind as an HR professional. We all have yeah. things that we get passionate about because, you know, HR can go in so many different directions. So what is your HR soapbox? Like, tell me something that when you talk about it in HR, you get passionate, you get excited, or maybe something that like people just get wrong when it comes to HR. And so you get on a soapbox about why they get it wrong and how it should be done? That's a great question. We use a, a term, Google, I think we just totally made up called <laughs> your specialism. So I am a generalist for all intents and purposes, but my specialism and my passion in HR happens to be performance management. I just think it is just a blend of everything we get wrong and everything we get right. But when you get it right, like it just, moves mountains. And so what I mean by that, when you break down the components of performance management, it's really simple themes, right? It's like communication. 
it's a manager, you know, individual contributor relationship. It is success metrics. How am I doing? Like quite simply, was I, am I doing well at the job that you hired me to do? Are we effectively communicating with each other in this like work relationship? And is the work that I'm doing contributing to not only the company's bottom line, but the effectiveness of the team as a whole? And, and then by extension, like the individual, you know, as well as like the products or services or whatever, the, the end result or, or what they're pouring their efforts into. So I, there's just a lot of space to play in as performance management concerns hit my desk. They're never what they seem. There's always like an untangling or an unbraiding of things. There's opportunities for upskilling and coaching on both sides. It's never quite figured out. It's like just this crash moment of humanity, like in the workplace, right? And even if it's going really well or it's going off the rails, there's still so much like fertile ground. I love that. I also love this crash moment of humanity. Like such a, it really is, right? And it's actually what I love most about HR is that like, it's the, it's the human element of business, right? Business is business. And yes, there's a bottom line. We have to make a profit. We have to move things forward and create value in the world if we want to exist, but we're all still human. And there's this like crash moment of mm-hmm. men and the business coming together to be productive right. and add value. So I love right. that. Okay. Cool. Well, so let's, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about what we're going to dive into in this season of HRT, which is topics on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Something that is so top of mind right now for HR professionals, for organizations and senior leadership, but also for just about every human around, or at least ones who care because of all of the things that have happened in our country and globally over the last six, seven, eight months. So I, shifting it a little bit, um, you know, after the death of George Floyd, we started this conversation, not just nationally here in the United States, but it really has become a global conversation that people are having all over the world about race, about equality, about social justice, and particularly in organizations, we also are having this about like, what is the place for these conversations internally and where, what is our place to speak up, have a voice, state our values. So I'm, I'm very curious, like, what do you think is necessary for HR leaders, senior leadership in organizations right now? Should they be joining in this conversation? And if they are, you know, what is our role in this space right now? Yeah, it's, it's such a mouthful. I mean, that question is, that's like right up there with like solving world hunger, right? Yeah, it's, we'll do that in our podcast. Okay, okay, okay. No pressure. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm excited about the focus of the podcast, but in a word, yes. HR professionals at all levels should be very interested in this. With anything, and in particular, and we'll just kind of narrow this into kind of U.S. focus, when, when you're supporting a workforce, as HR professionals should, and we mentioned this earlier in the, in, the, in the chat, right, like, you need to see each other's humanity. And the only way that we do that, or the most, well, I won't say the only way, but the most successful way of doing that is becoming proximate. 
And so what that sounds like in DEI practice, and you'll hear it sometimes, someone say, I'm not X because my best friend, wife is, you know, whatever, right? Insert blank. And so what they're saying to you is, and they're signaling is, I have, I've gone beyond tolerance. I have acceptance because this person, like, because I care about this other human being and they serve this role in my life. And so in the same way, we have to consider our relationship with our colleagues as being proximate to issues and concerns that matter to them because they matter, right? Because they show up every day on your team or in the parking lot or parking space next to you. And you're kind of like, if they, and if they don't show up one day physically, you're concerned about their well-being, or if they show up physically, but mentally and emotionally, they're distraught because of something that happened to them or someone that was proximate to them. And by extension, I care. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, it, you know, long windy answer, but that that's why HR professionals should, should care because human beings are still our, our best asset and our most precious resource period, you know, in the workplace and beyond. And so, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that these issues hit a fever pitch. I, I agree so wholeheartedly about this fever pitch place that we've gotten to. And we've had moments like this in our country over, over the last decade, um, where we think that it's going to rise up and cause this moment of change. And it absolutely has not. And I, you know, I will say personally that I think that it took a pandemic to maybe get even just me personally to recognize my own, my own role in change for the future. Mm -hmm. I think I've always felt like, okay, yeah, that's great. I want that to happen, but what am I supposed to do about it? You know, I think that this has made us all recognize that we all have to take steps to change if we want there to be change. It can't just be like, yeah, okay, I want, I want you to have equal space and equal footing and all of those things. Right. Right. Justice too. You go get that for yourself. No, 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 no. I, I need to step in and do things too. And so I think it's been a, hopefully, like you said, it's been this quiet moment where we could all reflect because we needed to reflect and we were all at home reflecting on other really big Mm -hmm. tough things that were happening. So it, maybe it was the terrible place we all needed to be in to be able to reflect towards that change. I think so. (laughs) I hope so. I hope it's not this next, next one in line of things that we look back on in five or 10 years that we wish would have created change. I'm hopeful that it is actually creating change. I know it's going to be slow change for sure, but at least we're all recognizing that we all have a part in it. That's right. So speaking of sort of this change, I pulled out this excerpt from this Fortune article, and this was actually, I went looking around for stuff um, for Working Well Black after I listened to the panel discussion that you were in a few weeks ago or so, and it really, just the topic or the idea of Working Well Black is really, I mean, it's profound when you start thinking about the experiences that you have that I absolutely never had or won't have. And so 
hearing more about that experience is helping me like be a little more eye-opening to experiences that I need to be aware of that I'm not. And so this, this was some of the like statistics that were there, right? That systemic mm -hmm. racism within the workplace won't certainly be resolved in one new cycle, but that over half of black employees have felt racism at work. I actually think that's probably low. That 3.2% of executives and senior managers are black only 3.2% and only five Fortune 500 CEOs are currently black, that black men are paid 18% less than white men, that black women are paid 39% less than white men and 21% less than white women, according to studies. So that I'm curious what your experience has been, right? Like what has hearing these stories, reading about these stories, seeing these statistics, they're horrifying, but they're probably not surprising at all to you. I'm curious what your experience has been in this idea of working while Black. Yeah, I mean, as you were citing those stats, and I mean, they're, they're staggering whether you're aware of them, you know, as a reality or not, right? Just hearing that for the first time, or as I did when I was listening to you, kind of assigning anecdotal experiential stories of knowing someone in those exact positions who have who have been on the the receiving end of of systemic racism you know who who is me right <laughs> like who who who's who's speaking to you now you know in in more professional moments i'll say like it all it all makes sense we are we are working with a system that has deeply rooted embedded and so from a very logical sense you're like okay this, you know, this foundation is weak because, and so at some point there are going to be cracks in the wall and, and things like that, that make a ton of sense. But as you experience it and you've, uh, as a professional, set yourself up to be in the best places, to present well, to give it your all, to bring excellence to every single thing that you do, and to know that your starting line was a mile behind or if not more than others, it's exhausting to even comprehend and at times can be moments certainly in hr where you're supporting people through that very revelation while also like dealing with it yourself and so i have used a phrase internally and it's not my own where we feel double and triple taxed i'm black i'm a woman i'm a black female professional i'm a senior leader it's all of these things. And so in one breath, like I have a responsibility to hold people accountable, to be a mirror, to be reflective, to be bold and courageous about the things that I see, but also to like reach down and, and pull up, right? And, and make sure doors and windows are propped open, to leave spaces better than I found them, to upskill people where I can. It's a lot, Bethany. <laughs> and, it, yeah. and it should not all fall on your shoulders too and i think that that's the kind of the point that i was trying to get to earlier is that it it has for so long it has sure. and well you're black if you want to do something about it do it change it mm -hmm. and it's like no we all have to recognize where our bias has stopped us from doing things in the past and also what what steps we can take to get rid of or change or you know, completely revolutionize the system that has held people back for so long. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I think, figuring out like 
where I can make small changes myself, just even in, and I don't control a whole lot, right? (laughs) But like even just what I can control in my own classroom or in my own job and the things that I do, and I'm doing my very best to do those things, but we have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I think what's helped move the needle in some ways is people can speak up and don't have to feel like, they have to educate to bring you along or to influence, right? That it's to a point now where it's become somewhat mainstream to talk about bias, to talk about systemic racism, these these terminologies that now don't require, not only am I going to like call you out and in, but in order to do that, I have to like educate you in the same moment that I'm also expressing hurt, that I'm also, you know, (laughs) like layer, layer, layer. And so, you know, to some degree, because we have shared language, because we have, I feel like there's a movement towards adoption, at least of le- of allowing these terms to be spoken about in a workplace, Yes, it is progress. I'm going to tie us actually back to Laszlo. So Laszlo said, change a lot to you. And Laszlo came into Google and changed like a lot of Google for the better, like with some amazing people practices. Google has like... I literally put you on a pedestal for the way that they think about just the, the mm-hmm. values that they have around people operations. But Google is not immune to some of the challenges of diversity, equity, and inclusion and what's happened. I'm curious what your thoughts have been of what's happening at Google and like tell us about some challenges or some like positive results that are moving in the last few months. Yeah, and, and I'll back it up even, you know, a bit further. We were the first tech company to produce our diversity statistics, tech and non-tech. And, you know, many of our partners or competitors in the space have followed suit and, and numbers don't lie. And so in doing that, we became very vulnerable as a company that everyone, I will venture to say, interacts with on a daily basis. To, to change things, right? With that kind of disclosure comes a lot of scrutiny, accountability, et cetera. And it, it's not only from outside. Uh, and we've continued to, since then, produce those statistics and be accountable for the change or the move of the needle. And in the same way, seen great progress internally, but there's still room to say, and, and we're not even close right? Like we, we have to, in the same way that we build amazing products for people, not only do, does our workforce need to reflect our end users or, or consumers, but we have established practices that are built on the same systemic found, shaky foundation that, that everyone else experiences. And so we're not separate and apart from, for that, from that at all. We're on quite a big stage uh, in order for people to kind of study that and for us to also, to your point, become a trendsetter and a model of how to correct, to write the ship essentially. And so with that it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of, I think, courage in house. It takes bravery, boldness, audacity, all the things and ways that we present ourselves, product and services, we have to be just as we have to be just as aggressive about righting these wrongs as well. So sure. I mean, Google's not different than any other uh, company. I think we're on the right pathway, but we have a long way to go. Yeah. Just like all of us. Yeah. (laughs) 
for this sure. This has been great. And I will tell you, I am so excited for the rest of these recordings and the rest of this season and to be doing it with you. Um, it's nice to have a co-host and someone who can bring a different perspective than I will to these interviews. So I'm really excited to have you partnering with me. So thank you. I'm honored. I think it's going to be an amazing ride. I, I look forward to it. And Villanova certainly has a special place in my heart and this topic. And so it's a match made. So that concludes episode one of this season. I am thrilled to have Helen join me for the interviews to come. We have some amazing guests for you to hear and learn from, and I can't wait for you to get to know them on this season and hear their passion and expertise in diversity and making organizations more inclusive. All right, everyone, remember whatever you are drinking, coffee, tea, or something a little bit stronger like Helen, we hope it will lead you to fresh brewed ideas that will help make work better for all of us. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of HRT. As your thoughts from today's episode, Steve, share with us what you are brewing using the hashtag VillanovaHRT. That's hashtag Villanova H-R-T-E-A. H-R-T is brought to you by Villanova H-R-D. To learn more about the graduate programs in human resource development at Villanova University and for all the links and notes from today's episode, visit the Villanova H-R-D blog at VillanovaHRD.com.